2: Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time.
3: Hey guys, Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcasts and Misters of the Dark. From now until the end of March, we at the Fearscape Media Network are raising funds to support your favorite FSMN shows throughout the next year. One such way is happening on March 5th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be offering live Zoom tarot readings under the moniker Phoenix Moon. I have been reading professionally for 20 years and now offer my services to all of you. Proceeds from the event go to support the network. Go to fearscapemedia.com forward slash tarot to sign up for your slot now. There's only 12 available, so get one while they last. Thanks again, and remember, you can always support the network by going to fearscapemedia.com forward slash support. Stay spooky.
0: From Fearscape Media, Peer Beyond the Veil is coming back for a new season this March. We're talking government-sponsored mind control, walking on the edge with DMT, wild occultism and deep parapsychology, along with our signature blend of extraterrestrialism, supernaturalism and cryptid chasing. Bringing you a brand new roster of fascinating guests, each with their own stories and theories on the wild and the wonderful. Peer Beyond the Veil Find us wherever there's darkness. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Happy that you're able to join us as we continue to explore and try to understand the strange phenomenon that seems to exist all over the world. Stefan and I are on a journey. And we share that
3: journey with you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastic, phenomenal episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stephen Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the devilishly quick and bright co-host of mine, Josh Rutledge. How are you?
0: Um, I'm doing fantastic, and. Uh, as I uh, approach 43, I don't know that I would use the word Sprite uh, to describe my movement. But, well, yeah, you I, know, I I'll just meant
3: it. bubbly, like a can oh, of Sprite. Yeah. OK. Bubbly and, and f- clear, you're Effervescent. Like <laughs> like Pepsi clear. You like, know. Pe- like, yeah. Crystal Pepsi, baby. Pepsi, Pepsi crystal, baby. Um, yeah. So we got a really interesting show uh today we have a very special guest joining us today this is the creator and um uh owner i guess so to speak of the project called osiris which stands for off-road scientific investigation and response informatics system uh now josh you were saying this is um he's got a very specialized vehicle and it uses skyhub which we'll talk about um, but it's very interesting what he does right
0: Yeah, I mean it's he's basically doing mobile UAP looking. So he's using a system called SkyHub, which we'll get into. But it's just a really uh, interesting system. I've looked into it myself, and um, yeah, it'll be a really good uh, conversation.
3: Yeah, very very cool. Uh, I think this is very perfect after we had just talked about our tools. Uh, For searching for UAPs And yet here's another one That, you know, if you've got it (laughs) You can use it So, um, but yeah, I'm very excited To get speaking to Jeremy McGowan I'm very excited about that Um, But before we get to that We want to get crack-a-lacking Because I want to get into The psychic word of the week To get things kicked off And now The psychic word of the
1: week.
3: All right, so Psychic Word of the Week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, Ph.D. Rest in peace, honey buns. Um, again, it's always so weird, the things that this book just pulls up, because we flip through the pages. I just stop. I landed at page 236, and the first phrase I see is flashing light. Uh, And flashing light is not just a flashing light like you would think. So (laughs) I was like, okay, well, let's see what it is. It says a light that flashes on and off at regular rhythmic intervals and can be regulated as to speed of flashes. This serves as a tool for um, meditating and for sending telepathic messages. Light is also timed to one's heartbeat, making it very hypnotic. Dangerous if used too long at one sitting. This has also been theorized to be used by UFO craft to hypnotize the subject in a close encounter so that he will not run away. Huh. That is what I was talking about, that it's interesting. We're talking about looking for UAPs and UFOs. And here's a thing talking about hypnotizing folks so that they have to see what they're seeing. <laughs> Well,
0: and and that's also interesting because A, Keel talks about it quite a bit Mm -hmm. in Mothman Prophecies and Eighth Tower. Um, And B, um, I just got done watching a documentary, it was on Amazon, called um, Lights in the Sky, that basically Mm -hmm. looks at these kind of rhythmic flashing lights and what do they mean. And and we're going to have the uh, director of that on in a few weeks. So it all just kind of plays in well with uh, things that were... Travis Walton
3: talks about that as well from Fire and Sky, which is really cool. By the way, I just um, you know if you've ever tried to find his book on Amazon, it's like five hundred dollars or some crap because it got um, uh, what's unpublished is not the word out of print Out of print. lord i'm tired uh out of print years ago but if you go to his website um you can actually pick up a book there for like 30 35 bucks or something like that well the cool thing is is that he will go ahead and personalize it and sign it as well free of charge um so i just recently got my book and it's a much bigger book than i realized it's like 400 pages i'm super excited to dig into that um and so yeah he's he had it personalized and he also sent me two postcards where he personalized um and sent it sent me a dvd of uh paranormal witness the abduction the like one of the few 90 minute episodes of that show Mm. uh where they talk he says that's the the best like version of uh and he said in his opinion is the best version of the events that took place um uh, as well as the travis walton um uh documentary that's out right now as well um but yeah he, he said this is one of the best ones there hmm. interesting so i'm very, very interested cool in looking at it. yeah but so very very interesting very cool but he talks about that too about being hypnotized he couldn't move he was just stuck you know before yeah. he got abducted so uh very very interesting very cool stuff um it, might be something it, to ask uh jeremy about maybe he's <laughs> you know heard about yeah that, so. yeah exactly yep yeah. Um, But, yeah, so very interesting flashing lights. Um, And, yeah, now I have known, of course, that's used in hypnotism. Santosh will use flashing lights sometimes, and um, I would assume so. I've
0: seen where people sometimes use the flicker of a candle. The flicker of a candle. Which Mm -hmm. is, you know, kind of in the same line. So
3: It's just that rhythmic, you know, thing. Um, But especially with light, because I guess it kind of flexes your iris and things like that. So, uh, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Flashing lights. I see you. <laughs> I see you out there. Um, but yeah. All right. <laughs> let's as a pretty quick one today. But uh, I think because we're hypnotized already. Yeah, we're in a we're in a stupor. <laughs> ah, uh. All right. So let's move on to um the uh, next segment, which of course is uh okay, okay, okay. Jersey Devil's ready to go because he said he's ready for the the cryptid of the week. It's the Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the week. All right, so cryptid of the week. Who's uh? Who do we got? Which one of Jersey Devil's BFFs? Because he's got hundreds of them. Uh, are, are we talking about this week? So we have the
0: um, uh, puckwudgie. W- watch your damn mouth. <laughs> So the, the Pukwudgie, um, it, it's, it's from the New England area uh, in the U.S., uh, and it's it described as being a troll-like. Yeah, I think I've heard of the, the
3: Pukwudgie, to be honest with you.
0: So it says that uh, when the Wampanoag and other East Coast tribal people made their home in what would eventually be called New England, they told the tales of tricksters with magical powers. The Pukwudgie, meaning people of the wilderness, were just such tricksters. Barely three feet tall, with troll-like, uh, these troll-like creatures, with oversized ears, hands, and facial features, had grayish skin. Man, a they, lot of similar They're
2: ugly. I'll tell you what. They live next door. They're not <laughs> far.
3: They, I live in New England, too. They're ugly. They just, Look, just because they're ugly don't mean they're not my friend.
0: I mean, that's, that's calling something ugly coming from the Jersey Devil is a pretty. pretty <laughs> hey, hey,
3: you shut your mouth, okay? My mama <laughs> and my daddy are weird makes me weird but that's normal in my family get away from my microphone
0: you need to like put him outside why he has
3: to live with me I think it's time we need split custody and he (laughs) needs to live with you no yeah your girls can totally raise him because he doesn't he doesn't like the snow (laughs) this is true (laughs) Um
0: so at at first uh, they were not in danger they were not a danger they were full of mischief but not evil but they became more and more difficult the Wapanog asked a loving godlike like giant called Mashup and his wife Granny Squint squint to punish <laughs> the, the Pukwaji. uh they shook them and scattered them across New England in banishment when the Pukwudgie returned they did so with a vengeance demanding blood and creating mayhem not only were they fierce their magical powers were made them hard to contain they could vanish at will or transform into other animal shapes they used poisonous weapons in battle and were able to produce fire from thin air plus they could control the soul of any human being they killed Hmm. so
3: yeah um they, I, I think they, they look a lot like if you were to merge a hobbit and a wood elf together. They they really do. So
0: it also and I'm I'm gonna make this draw this connection here again, but the description here, three feet tall, mm-hmm. oversized ears, hands, and facial features with a grayish skin.
3: Yep, sounds like the
0: Kentucky Goblin. Also sounds like the description of the um the darrow Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and could also be a little bit of a a acquaintance there with um uh the the greys
3: yeah they are and they were um they've been mentioned like they're they're in the harry potter universe they look like they would be in um one of the pictures that i saw they look like they would be in lord of the rings like i said they do they yeah. look like very small stout versions of wood elves um but what's really cool is they were mentioned and i was, I looked them up and i'm like this is where i recognize them because when i was a kid my grandmother used to always have me read the poem song of hiawatha from henry wadsworth longfellow hmm. and in there in the song of hiawatha they're mentioned there's a passage um in the chapter, The Death of uh, Kwasand, says, Far and wide among the nations, spread the name and fame of Kwasand. No man dared to strive with Kwasand. No man could compete with Kwasand, but the mischievous Pukwudgies. They, the envious little people, they, the fairies and pygmies, plotted and conspired against him. That's so. Interesting very very interesting indeed to talk about here we are fairies pygmies again these are all things that even according to keel are you know like ultra terrestrial ultra terrestrials so, yeah yep. like you know these goblins or these greys or whatever they may be like that they are just different terms for a different time what was the uh, what was the name of the
0: person that in that that verse you just read that they
3: they would mess with Quasind, K-W-A-S-I-N-D, K-W-A-S-I-N-D. Hmm. so must have been some like hero or something
0: well, you know it, it's interesting in this in this mention of this cryptid there's another call out to giants hmm. so you know maybe Quasind was a giant
3: and that's why no man could compete with him maybe maybe very very interesting indeed um i yeah um and I, boy i want to look up more about granny squinted over here <laughs> too man uh yeah the wife of a giant mall shop you know so yep exactly i don't know i'm looking for you granny i'm looking for you. <laughs> you don't want to mess with granny she does not make good pie
0: maybe that's what granny goodness was inspired from
3: Oh man, from uh DC Comics. Yeah, great yeah. goodness is something else. Well, thank you, uh JD. We appreciate you uh introducing us to your friend. All right, so let's uh get cracking and uh move right into our UAP sighting of the week. Alright, so UAP sighting of the week, Josh, our unidentified aerial phenomenon, sighting of the week, our UFO, UAP, shit in the sky. What do we got?
0: <laughs> yeah, so this comes from uh Blackfoot, Idaho. Uh it happened on um the first of February of this year at five thirty PM.
2: I was driving west when I noticed a solid white object in the sky flying in a northern direction very as I continued to watch, the object slowed until it was just hovering in place. It continued to hover for about two minutes and then started slowly flying away to the northwest until I could no longer see it. There was no sound and no visible means of propulsion. Also, I don't know if they are related, but there was also a crop circle found in the area about a week later. But there was also a crop circle.
3: Mm-mm. Where where did this say where it was again? Oh, Blackfoot. Blackfoot, Idaho. Huh. Wonder. I wonder if it's possible to find the crop circle. Find the clock. Yeah. I mean, they don't. Well, I mean, we ought to ask that one dude.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because cause, you know, it's something you just don't hear much anymore.
3: Well, yeah, because Life. well, what happened was as soon as that those guys came out, said it was a hoax and showed everybody how to do it, they stopped reporting on them like it was done from then on. Every single one was a hoax. Didn't matter anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here it is right here. Mysterious crop circle in Shelby Park causes confusion. It was in the East Idaho News.
0: Yep. Yep, Ooh, and it's everywhere. in the
3: snow, too. So it's like a snow and a crop circle.
0: Well, yeah, it's really cool because it actually you can see that it was done after snow had fallen because there is areas without snow and some with. Oh, wow.
3: I don't like this. This actually this looks like a pizza, and it says M nine S D S six L. Get out of here! I'm done. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I Why don't know. Like anytime there's like English or anything like that, I just and it it legit looks like a pepperoni pizza.
0: No, it doesn't. Are you not looking at it? I am looking at it. It looks like a circle with circles in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's cut and, and it's cut into eight equal six sections, but it doesn't mean it says pepperoni pizza. Also like there, there's it garlic like and a-
3: parmesan around the crust.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, I'll give it to you. It does kind of look like a pizza.
3: But that doesn't mean it should be dismissed well the other thing is is i don't know it looks like if you look at the picture where he's like taking it from the side it looks like you can see the tractor marks of it going out to there as well yeah i don't know yeah i don't know either but i mean yeah but like i said like that that like when it uses like english stuff like that like i don't know it just weirds so me I, out so it so it entities are trying to communicate
0: with us and they shouldn't use English is what you're saying
3: no I'm not saying that it's just you know it, it'd be like us like how when we sent those little golden records out that we already had their language on there and we were able to speak to them with their language well
0: maybe that would be the case if we had been visiting them for thousands of years
3: I don't know I don't know
0: I don't know I this just this I'm just, one this one I'm just, just
3: doesn't it doesn't so, grab me.
0: Like I said something to you at Santosh the other day. I, I think that for like we are wired, humans are wired to just not be willing to believe certain things because of the proposed paradigm shift that it shift that it would create. And I think that when we look at things like this, <clears throat> so on the one hand, you could say, well, you should be skeptical until proven otherwise. But on the other hand, you could say, well, then, if you always look at things as it's not possible that it could be true, then what are you going to miss? So mm, I, I Yeah,
3: I, I don't disagree with that. This one just feels weird to me. Um, I don't know. It, it's also in the location of Wild Adventure Corn Maze. Um, that's where Wild Adventure Corn Maze is. And so people are like, we think it's an advertising thing. Um so <laughs> I don't know. But my point is, is it doesn't take away from the UAP sighting itself. Um, So, yeah, I don't know.
1: know.
3: Uh, (laughs) I'm looking at another news story, and it says the drone pictures revealed the pizza themed uh, design.
0: (laughs) Yes, it does look a little pizza like, but that doesn't mean it's intended to be a pizza. It could also be a wheel. It could also be uh, a surgical light.
3: The, or you know, a, um, or a shower head. Who knows? Showerhead. I was I didn't even think shower head. I was thinking manhole cover. Most manhole covers are divided into eight pieces. Apparently this guy said he reached out to the guy that owns the property and said that he did it by a small tractor and a tiller that uh was GOS guided. Well there you go. Or GPS, sorry, not GOS.
0: All I'm saying is don't always look at something as it can't be done. <laughs> <laughs> look at it i with don't it know open. i
3: just feel weird like there's that one that's like that square and it's got like that picture of the alien face yeah. in it and it just looks like somebody put in a design into a computer like that one looks to me like
0: <laughs> well there are there are also some though and, and we you know i don't think we talked about this or not but there's like a computer program so much like there's an app that you can get on your phone that makes it look like you captured a UAP. Mm -hmm. There's also one that you can get on your phone. You take a picture of a field and it will produce a crop circle in that picture. And so that's in like in so many cases nowadays, we don't have as many field investigators like we used to, right? True, true. And so nobody really goes out to verify that yes, there's a crop circle here You know, instead we just look at a picture and either accept it or deny it based on just the the picture. And unfortunately, because of the number of picture hoaxes there are, yeah, it just you know goes on to disprove. And then I will say that um, that one that is like the alien and the crop or whatever, that's one where I don't think anybody's ever been able to find where that actually happened. that that was not a field investigation, so Hmm. we can't really say is it real or not? Because we didn't do a field investigation of it.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Uh, thank you though, to the person that sent in that. Um, and if, if indeed, you know, these two things are connected. Very, very cool. I mean, yep. that, that is, you know, well, very coincidental. For and, sure. and, and let's say
0: that, um, let's, you know, say that the UAP, is legitimate, and somebody's out browsing recent reports on MUFON, sees one in their area, and tries to capitalize on that sighting. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. If I was trying to bring business into something and would just survive through the year of COVID, I'd probably capitalize on that too.
3: You know. Mm uh very interesting i'm just continuing on that apparently uh someone who works in the pizza industry said that the last three uh characters on the the thing there d6l d6l is a pizza oven it's a it's a a a model of a pizza oven just putting that out there (laughs) i don't know how legit that i'm just looking at twitter so i don't i don't know (laughs) But, anyways, we'll move on from that. <laughs> now we'll I want move pizza. on from there. We'll, we'll move bo- on from. Oh my god! <laughs> so, moving on, <laughs> let's get into our um, creepy ketchup here, so we can get talking to Jeremy. <laughs> so, all right, creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy
2: ketchup.
3: Creepy catch up. Creepy
2: catch up. Y'all, it's creepy.
3: All right. So, creepy catch up. Um, I'm going to, uh, do you want to go first this time? I actually have some this week. So, I have a little bit that I'll talk about. And then I think you've probably
0: got some, um, some better stuff than me. So, I'll let mm. you go last. Okay. So, <laughs> I have, uh, I've only had a couple, like, I continue to see. Shadows moving around like the corner of my offside, you know, my peripheral vision, um, I continue to see kind of like, like light flashes or light movement. And then I try to recreate it and I can't figure out anything in the house that would recreate, you know, to recreate the light movement. Um, little things like that. A uh, couple nights I've laid down to go to sleep and felt like I felt presence in the room. Like I felt something there that wasn't, normally there to the point where i thought maybe it was one of my daughters had gotten out of bed so like i'd check to see if they were in the room and they weren't but it definitely felt like there was something in the room um and then like i'm reading right now uh this book by ryan sprague called somewhere in the skies
3: yeah and it's that as well
0: and it's full of a bunch of like great uh contactee uh you know witness information and one of the things that like a an account that I just read was about um, these people saw a UFO in their backyard and then later that night and subsequent nights one of the daughters saw little entities walking around in the house but nobody else could see them mm. and so that just kind of goes to my thing around you know do they come in a UFO and then they come back quote-unquote in person to investigate you but they're basically invisible you can't see them but maybe some people are um have the ability to see them i don't know but and then <clears throat> all of that and then I'll, that's so that's really my only creepy catch-up that's happened but my other thing is a <laughs> it's a conspiracy theory uh kind of related this
3: is the show for that josh i think you're safe yeah. here i think you're safe here
0: <laughs> this is a safe place um <laughs> so you know i I posted it's been like the last part of january i posted a video on youtube of a picture that i had taken back in the summer or maybe early fall of my backyard and i was just kind of looking through looking at the tree line and i came across what looks like like a goblin or an et type thing kind of peeking out behind a tree so you know i i did a video of that the manipulation of the video of the of the image kind of you know try to brighten it up or something like that to try to get um a better view it's gotten a lot of good response on youtube but it's funny that two weeks after i posted that is when the helicopter with no lights on Mm. basically buzzed my backyard Mm. in the wooded area behind my house And the sheriff's department, local sheriff's department, you know, I posted and saying that the military was going to be in the area, that you might hear gunfire, that you might hear helicopters flying over and things like that and and that they're training. Right. And that was going to happen over several nights. It happened that night and that (laughs) night only. And they have not been back. And so it really makes me curious. Mm hmm. You know, I post that video and then two weeks later, the military shows up and buzzes my tree line for, you know, 45 minutes and then never shows up again. Jeez. Makes again, me want to like. I
3: say, why are they out over your area? Right. There's
0: nothing out there. But, well, I, I mean, there's houses and, and, and horses and cows.
3: Well, I'm not even talking about the UAP. I'm talking or the, uh, the ultra trust. Uh, I'm talking about the military. Like, why that's what are I'm they talking
0: out? about. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. There's nothing yeah. out there to be training. Like what would are they training how to take down a horse? I mean, I don't know how to <laughs> I mean, what's you know, so that's what I'm saying. It there's no reason for them to be training in my area. There's other wooded areas. I mean, hell, if they're coming from Fort
3: Knox, Fort Knox is surrounded by wooded areas. By wooded areas. I mean Bernheim. Burnheim, I mean, there's so many areas yeah. where there's not people's homes. Like I right. don't know. Don't they don't have to weird. buzz the trees at at eight thirty at night. I mean, and, and I'm
0: I really wish I had my camera that I'm you know that I got that is allows me to, to see in, in near darkness because I'm telling you, man, I,
3: I could have seen the pilot Yeah, if they were that low. Well, and I it's mean, that I, same thing. It's like the Phoenix lights, you know, like how they are trying to say, oh, they came out like days later. Oh, it was you know, tracer rounds, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you're doing something like that why would you not let everyone know ahead of time right hey we're gonna put some crazy ass lights in the sky it's going to be the military we don't want you to confuse it with anything right hey we're just letting you know no three later oh yeah oh oh yeah that was us
0: yeah they were they well and and i've seen aerial flares we used to i used to know a guy who uh, did a lot of dumb things and he used to go out in a parking lot, and pop off aerial flares for no freaking reason. But, but they, you know, <laughs> they go up and they, and they sit there for a little while, but then they slowly fall back mm. down.
3: Yeah, those Phoenix. Th- like
0: that's not what cool happened bad, in right. Phoenix. No, you know. No. So, but anyway, so I mean, that's that's my creepy catch up slash conspiracy theory of the of the week.
3: All right. Well, I, you know, for having a couple of weeks of nothing have just been inundated with stuff this like this past week. Like I, I have been like seeing things um, like behind me at work quite frequently. I keep thinking someone's standing behind me. I turn and there's no one there, but I'll see the shadow or I'll feel this presence behind me um, specifically at work. That's happened quite frequently. Um, I was out walking my dog the other night and I can kept seeing eyes in bushes and every time i would like shine my phone flashlight there'd be nothing there like i expected oh maybe like raccoon or a rabbit or no no because it was much higher up it was always in like the taller bushes um and just things like that like i just feel like i've been being looked at and watched a lot um but uh interesting uh thing is Last night, my sister came over and my wife, myself and my sister decided, oh, let's bust out the Ouija board. It's been a while. Um, had some really pudding, good pudding moments. Um, so the, the first one, which was just um, really weird, was, you know, we were like, oh, hey, you know, if there's somebody here, you know, let us know outside of the board. Give us a sign. Well, right about that, right at that moment in the very back bathroom, we're on the complete opposite side of the apartment the very back bathroom um, echo amazon alexa uh, echo device goes uh, your network connection has dropped or whatever it was just like cannot connect to the network and we're like what and then like it flips over and starts playing this song called sometimes by a group called goth babe I have no idea where this came from no one was touching their phones okay and yeah you know you're like oh well maybe it just picked back up and it's like continuing what it was playing earlier no i was listening to rush earlier in the day there's no way that this like emo soft like indie folk song is going to be played off of like this classic rock mix with rush that i had going on i've never heard of this band ever in my life um, it was just so weird we were like what the hell like how my wife's um, friend who passed away last year showed up had very intimate um, knowledge which was you know uh, made her tear up you know because there was just stuff that you know none of us knew about Um, but the, the, the craziest thing and it's only crazy because of what happened after is we had a guy show up and his name was um uh his name was jack he said his name was jack washington and my sister goes boy that's the whitest name i've ever heard and he goes uh no i'm black and we're like oh okay he goes on to talk about that he um he was a jazz musician um and that he knew our great that he knew me and my sister's great grandma grandpa thomas um that they had known each other at like a club at one point when he was in detroit um which my grandpa lived probably 45 minutes from detroit and side story he was a and he said he met him in 1926 um and my great grandfather at that time was touring he was part of a um a uh Barbershop Quartet. In fact, he was the president of the Barbershop Quartet Society of Michigan. Mm. Um, and he was touring all around um, performing and stuff. And they met at a club, is what this guy said. He said he was a jazz saxophonist. And um, he said that he met our grandfather in Detroit in 1926. And then, you know, Trisha asked him, She's like, Oh, well, when did you die? He said, I was 54 years old. And we're like, Wow, that's crazy. Right. And so, you know, it was just kind of neat. And we got done and we all started researching. Well, indeed, this is what's crazy, Josh. Like there was this bit saxophone player in Count Basie's orchestra named Jack Washington. He was a black dude, but he was from kansas city so i started doing some more research and i noticed that he was born in 1910 i was like this dude would have been 16 years old there's no way he would have been in detroit like i start doing research well he dropped out of school at 15 to play music he got picked up with benny uh benny moten's orchestra and that next year when he was 16 he was touring the midwest with benny moten's orchestra playing saxophone and so he would indeed have been in Detroit in 1926 at 16 years old playing this club Hmm. and then we look the dude died when he was 54 years old wow I mean, my mind is – I've never had such pudding moments like that on the Ouija board in my entire (laughs) life. Like, my wife is, like, sending me and Trisha these because she's – everybody's in bed. Like, everybody's in there. I'm still out on the couch watching horror movies. But my wife, like, we're all just sending all this, like, info we're finding. We're like, oh, my God. Like, well, you never heard of this guy. I mean, it's like he's a nobody. Like, his Wikipedia page is, like, a paragraph long. He's like nobody. Like (laughs) – I asked my brother wow. if he knew who he was. He was a jazz guy. He's like, no, nah, I never heard of him. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like we happen to know this yeah. guy. Like, it was, I mean, like, 54 years old, 1926, he would have been in Detroit, which is my grandfather would have been performing at that time in Detroit. You know, he's 16, but, hey, he he dropped out of school to 15, was touring with this orchestra, and then ended up being in Cope Basie's orchestra for, like, a record or two, and then just kind of retired, like... <laughs> just crazy man like and and a black dude like i mean just very specific yeah stuff very specific stuff i just it was so remarkable to me and so fascinating i just absolutely loved it it was such a great moment the other thing is the last unless you had something to say about that nope okay the other thing was about you so it's a you know my sister was like hey is there anybody here that has a message for anyone in particular so it says yes for stefan dude named gus gets on there and says that um he says just letting you know uaps are real (laughs) that's what he says right i'm like okay cool and he goes oh and by the way josh is going to see one and i said he's already seen one he's like no 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 he's going to see one in arizona let him know to look to the skies i'm always looking to the skies gus so <laughs> gus wanted to let you know no oh, well, that you're to know. gonna see a uap which is hilarious since you asked me the other day what would i do if we were out in the desert and we saw a gray in front of us and i said i would pass out or push you in front of me i said <laughs> though santosh said i would scream like a little baby and and run
0: <clears throat> maybe you would <laughs> scream like a baby run trip on a rock pass out (laughs) fall into me which pushes me forward it's like a little rube go board yeah
3: (laughs) (sighs) yeah so yeah so that's my creepy catch up just a lot of stuff i've been feeling a lot of spirits lately around um pretty new and you know there was more stuff that happened on the ouija board just not as cool as 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 those events yeah very very interesting i thought it was cool that it brought you up and uh yeah, it's very, very cool. So, well, I guess I'm rambling, so let's go ahead. <laughs> uh, we're going to move to our ad break here before we get to Jeremy Gowan, but I do want to quickly say, and I'm going to mention this at the end as well, that on March uh, 5th, correct? March 5th? Yep, March 5th. March 5th from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I, under my moniker of Phoenix Moon, I'm going to be offering tarot readings to help us raise money for the Fearscape Media Network um there are 12 slots available you can go to fearscapemedia.com/tarot Uh, And sign up for a slot. Uh, They're forty dollars for a slot. Um, Like I said, proceeds go to the Fearscape Media Network. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've been reading for twenty years, so this is not some amateur thing. Um, I know what I'm doing. Um, I've been reading professionally for a long time. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But yeah, we wanted to make sure to just get you guys on that, as well as like all through the rest of March and everything. We are going to be raising money for the network, so you can also go to fearscapemedia.com/support. Uh, And just, you know, donate there. If you wanted to go to our podcast specifically, you know, just leave a note that says, hey, I want this to go directly to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. And then we'll put that into things that are directly beneficial just to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast or just to the network at large. So um, just wanted to make sure to put that out there before. And I'm going to say it again at the end. Just letting you know. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get to Jeremy McGowan. And uh, we're going to take a very quick ad break and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, Stefan here. This episode is sponsored by the great folks over at Box Mountain. Box Mountain is a subscription box service that has my favorite sub box yet, the Cryptid Crate. You see, Josh got one of these for his birthday and I was super jealous because it was packed full of merchandise pertaining to cryptids. The box he received first was all about the Flatwoods Monster, which of course is one of our favorites. And it had a t-shirt, a book, a patch, mug, and some awesome stickers. So I checked out the price to get one for myself and let me tell you, it is well worth the value. These make excellent gifts for yourself or even friends that are cryptid lovers as well. Now, if you use the coupon code FEARSCAPE, you will get 25% off the first month for any new subscription or 10% off individual purchases. So go ahead and head on over to fearscapepodcast.com slash cryptidcrate now and get yourself one today.
0: internet could be better than it is today more open private and secure that's why the engineers system administrators and designers at nordvpn have spent the last eight years developing a security and privacy tool to bring this vision closer to reality today millions of nordvpn users around the world click the blue quick connect button whenever they need online protection that's a very private club to join this club go to fearscapepodcast.com slash VPN and protect your internet activity today.
3: and welcome back everybody thank you guys for sticking around after the break we really appreciate it like i said we have jeremy mcgowan here like osiris i'm just ready to dig into this man um we you know we already kind of precursored so josh i'm gonna hand this off to you and let's get talking about osiris because i'm ready to roll no pun intended
0: So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I know that I've, I've gone out and looked at a lot of the videos on your YouTube channel that's all around the Osiris project. And I know you've built it in a Land Rover and I think using a Skyhub system. But you just want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what Osiris is, the setup. And, and you know, maybe we can get into a little bit of, like, why you wanted to go
1: this route. Yeah, well, first off, guys, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. And, oh, uh, we are excited about it, man. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I feel uh, I feel like I've been thrust into the center of this conversation, and uh, I don't have the qualifications to uh, to back up my mouth, but uh, I'm I'm doing the best that I can. So that's the we'll, story.
3: same well, kind of here. <laughs> here. You know,
1: we it's like we learn.
0: Uh, you know, week to week, we learn a little bit more. We get on this show, and we talk about it. That's all it is. So there you at go. it. There you
1: go. So the Osiris man, it's uh, it's an interesting project, and yes, I used a SkyHub. As the primary uh, uh, sensor stack with the uh, the vehicle, but it's not the only sensor stack that I've integrated in with. Um, the reason that I went with SkyHub, and I will encourage everybody first off to go visit skyhub.org. Uh, this is a, uh, a nonprofit organization. They've come together a group of volunteers that have. Have built the base code that have uh, uh, identified the equipment and, and put the mission statements together, and and have enabled people like me to go out and do what I'm doing. Uh, it's a wonderful group and collection of talent that's out there, and I would encourage everybody to do it. But the reason that I chose SkyHub is because I am I'm kind of on a little bit of a crusade in getting open source information for. Attacking this idea of the phenomenon and Thank finding you. out what it is, um, you know, throughout throughout recent history, and I'm going to say recent history being the last 70 years of official uh, government investigations into UFOs and UAP and the phenomenon, everything has been compartmentalized. It has been put under uh, security classifications. It has been hidden, obfuscated, thrown into in dark corners in the basements of the Pentagon, and and we don't have access to that. Uh, it's only through people like John Greenwald uh, and and the guys that are doing the massive uh, FOIA requests that we're even getting glimpses of what yep. the government has. So, the reason that I pick Skyhub primarily is because they're open source policy. First off, their code is open source. So anybody that is tech can get on the GitHub and look at the code and see what it does. But more than that, they don't hide anything. If my Sky Hub picks something up, I'm sorry, when my Sky Hub picks yeah. Something yeah. up, um, everybody on the planet is going to have access to that information. See? It's not It's not gonna be like, I'm, I'm not going to be yeah. a, a real estate mogul that buys a ranch and tells everybody that weird and mystical things are happening there, but then never gives anybody information.
3: Yes. Right. Um, and it reminds me too, we were just talking recently about NASA, how NASA used to very much, you could watch the live feed yep. live. Now yep. it's delayed. Is delayed.
1: Well, even before the live feed, NASA used to give out radios and you could have this little radio sitting on your nightstand listening live to the communications back and forth mm. between uh uh houston and the apollo mission and that's boring. there is yeah. no live feed anymore everything's delayed everything's sterilized everything's censored and yep. nobody the, the people don't have access to the information so uh going back to the skyhub I, I picked them because they don't do that so just for anybody who's listening who
0: may not know what Sky Hub is because um, I've also done some research into it, and in I am looking at it um, from a can I build this, and I and I think I can. I mean, for you, for for an individual to go out and build this, they do have to have some technical aptitude because there is some uh, clicking in of, of uh, cables and into, into circuit boards and microcomputers and things of that nature. But then once you kind of all get it all set up, then it's just a matter of installing the operating or the software. Uh, over top of probably Linux, and then you're off and running. My question is, you know, most of what, you know, when you look at their website, they've got three options. Uh, Most of them are set up off the the NVIDIA Jetson system. But I've got two Raspberry Pis, and I'm trying to figure out, can I make this work with a Raspberry Pi? (laughs) Uh, Because if that's the case, then I've got already half of the hardware sitting in my basement. So
1: Yeah, no, Raspberry Pis were looked at, uh, and, and Skyhub... Uh, I'll, I'll apologize in advance if I'm talking for them because I didn't do any of the development or the vetting or, or yeah. the coding. Um, but from my understanding, the Skyhub team had initially looked at the the RASPi's and tested them. And while there was some early stage successes, the, uh, the NVIDIA Jetsons are actually designed for AI applications, mm. whereas RASPi is more of a You know you can make it into a a a garage door opener you control control your toaster with it or you can you can you know use it as a a cryptocurrency mining machine if, if you wanted to but the uh the jetson has a specificity for artificial intelligence and machine learning which is what is at the core of the sky Yeah, and
0: that's what I got from it is the basically, like you said, Raspberry Pi works great for RetroPie to be able to play your 1980s arcade games. Yeah, but Jetson is is really for those uh, more real world applications as a microcomputer. Mm -hmm. And so um, basically, I think what it is is you've got a Jetson, you've got GPS, uh, you've got a really good like a 12 megapixel uh, IR sensitive camera. Um, and then it's all kind of in a housing, and then you know. So that's the that's the Sky Hub system. And then one of the really nice things that I like about what they're doing their their mission is that it's constantly scanning using AI, uh, using your camera, and if it detects an anomaly, it uploads that anomaly uh, to a, to a cloud for 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 everybody to look at. And it's it's a lot like um, we talked about this when we had did our uh, Boyd House. Uh, uh, interview, it's a lot like how uh, NASA, it's not NASA, it's uh, JPL, uh, well, they have their planet searching uh, site. I don't know if you've ever been in there or not, but yep. they, they produce all these radio uh, r- radio wave responses and and, and uh, visual light uh, monitoring. And you can look through there and see if you can identify an, an exoplanets. Yep. And so I've done that from time to time. And so this is kind of along that line. It's almost like you're, you're, uh, you're crowdsourcing uh, UAP detection.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think the team and I have kind of adopted the idea that this is the most ambitious global citizen science project that mankind has ever undertaken. Because literally anybody on this planet can do this and is encouraged to participate.
3: Yeah, and then when you get to Osiris, then what it you know like what I see is the aggressiveness of the research, right? Like that's that's the one thing I, I like about the YouTube channel and all the stuff that you're doing is is you're, it almost feels like you're taking SkyHub to the next level. Really, it's like I'm going to push this as far as I can.
1: Yeah, you know, to be honest, SkyHub's taking me to the next level. Oh, uh, without the tool, <laughs> I would be I would be nothing in in in, in any of this. Um, man, I'm I'm just. I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting. I've said it. I've said it on so many other occasions, uh, other podcasts and in some of my writings. We are not going to get disclosure if we wait on the government to give it to us. Mm -hmm. But as a population, if we come together, if we group together, if we use technology in a standardized format, we can actually be the people who give the government disclosure. We can leapfrog this.
0: Yeah, I'm interested what your thoughts are on that, on the whole. Well, so I'm interested in what your thoughts are on two things. One, um, uh, what is your mindset of friend or foe? Because it seems like uh, a lot of the military interest and, and even the folks over at to the Stars Academy are really under the idea that there's some um, threat or risk or to potentiality these. Potentiality for it. Potentiality for it, for these things to be in the sky. Um, but then there's folks like you know, Dr. Stephen Greer and others who look at it and say, no, the, the threat or risk is just a spin to, to get funding to go off and do these research things. But really, they, they
1: mean it's no harm. I'm interested what your thoughts are on friend or foe. Well, I will say that uh, the United States government specifically doesn't typically fund things out of goodwill. Right. Uh, so the the friend or foe narrative does get money flowing. Uh, that's just a historical fact. Yeah, yeah. On the flip side of this, if they are so, let me let me back up thirty seconds here. If if we're dealing with nuts and bolts, if we're dealing with off-world civilizations that have the ability to travel, you know, vast distances across the galaxy. Um, if they wanted us dead, we'd already be dead. Right. Um, so I don't see them as a threat if they are a nuts and bolts type of entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm leaning a little bit further away from the idea that uh, this phenomenon and in, in the UAP aspect of this more specifically is is a nuts and bolts aspect. I, I think that this is probably tied more into the ideas of a control construct, or uh, uh, you know, even even uh, uh, a modern-day viewing of of religious iconography in in, in three dimensions, uh, for example. Um, but I also I also believe that there probably are nuts and bolts spacefaring civilizations. But the question that I'm wrestling with right now is whether or not they are as subject to this phenomenon as we are. Mm. Um, so I I'm trying to try to trying yeah. to look at do aliens exist? And if they do, are they seeing shadow people too? Right.
0: Well <laughs> and and, and <laughs> in something that we've talked about on the show quite a bit in, in the past and uh since the readings of uh John Keel <clears throat> is um are they not even uh, extraterrestrial? Are they uh, do, do they have, do they inhabit the same planet that we do? We just, you know, have never encountered each other. Right. Um, you know, we, we see, you know, the human eye can see like 0.03% of the visible spectrum. Um, yep. So what else exists in the other 99 point, you know, the whatever I can do the math right now,
1: <laughs> you know, Yeah, I had, a, I had a great conversation with Tim McMillan probably about a month or so ago. And uh, it was an off the record conversation. We were just, Uh, you know, talking back and forth to each other over a a Zoom call. And uh, we got on the topic of the fact that it wasn't until just, and and Tim, if you're listening, forgive me, I don't remember the exact dates, but (laughs) it wasn't until somewhere around, I want to say, two or 3,000 years B.C., humanity wasn't even able to see the color blue. Yeah. We, we, we had no ability to recognize that color so being being knowledgeable about the fact that our brains are still evolving yeah. you know what else are we not seeing today what what yes. else is right in front of us right beside of right. us that we have no ability to perceive it's, yeah it's that's
3: a- something i've heard before but i haven't thought about in a long time yeah absolutely um and like this, they were that's why purple and indigo was such a big deal. because um, it was kind of the closest to blue at the time before, yeah, they were really able to finally see that blue. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I forgot all about that. Yeah, well, it's
0: I, wild. It's wild. Yeah. And I, and I read somewhere that, uh, we don't even, scientists don't even think that there is such thing as pink light, it's just how our, uh, brains interpret ultraviolet light. And so, um it's yeah so it's again we're, we see it as pink but it's really just how we're interpreting ultraviolet light that's interesting i had not heard that that's, so that's really cool. um the other uh thought i'd like to get um on you is um and i totally lost it in between our conversation <laughs> um pink light dude it got you it's <laughs> that <laughs> pink light it's getting me um oh, man um I don't know, Stefan. You got, got a well, question? what I'll I was going to ask,
3: it. yeah, I, I, what I'm really curious in is just kind of like a, give us a snapshot of a day in the life of Osiris. Like,
1: oh man. Yeah, well, I built this thing in a 22-year-old Land Rover, so a day in the life of the Osiris typically revolves around mopping up oil puddles underneath <laughs> of an action, Uh trying to, trying to uh, uh, convince my buddy Stephen to come back over to my house and tighten bolts that I don't have the <laughs> strength or the knowledge to be able to tighten on, and uh, and figuring out how to fix it, because what people don't understand is Osiris was my daily driver. I, I got hooked on this to the point where I actually went out and I started drilling holes in the roof of the car that I drive on a daily basis That's to awesome. incorporate all of this electronics and sensor stacks into it. So uh, what what is going to be a yeah. day in the life of the Osiris is going to be um, I'm, I'm launching a YouTube channel. Uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to publish a website uh, and this is all for the advent of, of citizen science. I'm not, I got involved in a project that ended up being something that I, that I, I didn't really walk away from it, but I kind of changed my position with, it. um, as, as you guys know, I was on the history channels, uh, mm-hmm. identified uh, season two, episode three, I think it was, and. Ever since then, I've realized that whenever anything has a massive uh, publication house or distribution house behind it, there is a narrative. Wherever there is money yeah. involved, and I don't mean you know you know a thousand dollars or or five thousand dollars here and there, I mean when when there are millions of dollars involved in the production of something, it comes with a narrative. So, what I am doing is I'm trying to bring that back down to a grassroots level. Yeah. So, the Osiris and I are going to go out and we're going to film our investigations. We're going to put it on YouTube and we're going to give access to the same experiences and data to anybody who watches that I'm having as I'm sitting in that car. And it's not going to be a cliffhanger episode it's not going to be held for you know what the hell happens in season two right none of that's going to happen you're you guys are going to be sitting in the right seat of osiris as i go out to places hopefully like skinwalker or go down to texas and investigate the martha lights or Mm -hmm. whatever happens to be the investigation of the day you guys are going to come along with me and you're going to see it As it happens sure there's going to be some editing there's going to be some things that i take out because you you have to compress it and and get it right if i'm out there for two and a half days nobody's going to watch a two and a half days you know worth of video i've got to get it down into an hour maybe two hours or things like that but it's not going to come with a narrative i'm going to present the actual data i'm going to present the actual science and if i go out and I haven't made up my mind on CE5, on if it's real or if it's not yet. So if there's a group of folks that do CE5 that invite me out to bring the Osiris and record the session, if I record nothing, I'm going to present nothing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's going to be raw data that is given to the world so everybody has access to the exact same stuff yeah it's
3: interesting. we had um uh, months ago we had Jeff Mudget on who was the great um, great grandson of h h Holmes um and had that American Ripper show on the mm-hmm. history channel and he like he let us know. Legit what you know that the ending Was contrived like that was not At all what the DNA results actually Came back as they didn't want To push this that all this stuff that it was Indeed you know connected to him And all this different stuff he said but they Changed everything he even met Rahm Emanuel the the mayor Of Chicago because they wanted to do this Dive for these barrels but history Channel said that the mayor and that Group said no they wouldn't do it and he Met Rahm Emanuel he was like no one ever Came to me we would have absolutely let you guys go down there like yeah. but yeah just like you were talking about so yeah. he has a really of course shitty relationship with history channel now of course too and it's it was it blew my mind talking to him about that because you know you do you can't help it's history you think it's educational yeah. you think that yeah this is what it is this is the legit stuff well, but yeah it's just it's, no, it's about making money That's
1: no i don't want to just I don't want to disparage the project that I was involved with. Oh, of course. With with Lou and Sean and it's redacted. And I believe in humans and those guys. Um, There is, these guys came together with the idea of the same, the same mentality that I had. Mm -hmm. The idea of being able to present honest data, but it's info, info team. It's not a documentary per se. It's not, entertainment but it's presenting information in an entertaining way and there's nothing wrong with that no and that's by like following their twitters they tend
3: to be a little a little more transparent on twitter which is really interesting yes And
1: and i i love what these guys are doing but it's not it's not what i wanted to to do i i really wanted the the raw unfiltered i didn't want color correction i didn't want edit breaks i didn't want commercial interruptions i wanted basically a film crew to follow me around in osiris as i did an investigation and present it in the most scientifically accurate and honest way possible which i think is great and that's exactly what i'm going to do with a handful of gopros some iphones and and me myself doing video editing on a laptop computer from 2014. And let (laughs) me
3: say, thank you. Because we do, we need more of that. And that's the problem. And it scares me for us, if we get a lot bigger mainstream that that money does decide things. And it's scary because you think that money is gonna push you further. You think if you get that that contract, that thing, but it comes with so many caveats.
1: Yeah, and and I will never disparage anybody who wants to make money in doing this because I, I have a mortgage to pay. I've got electricity bills to pay. You know, I've got a I've got a daughter that needs well, she needs fed. Uh, you know, things yeah. like that. So, so if I can make money while I do this, that's fantastic. If the other guys can make money while they do this, this is fantastic. Um, I have a normal nine to five job, so I don't necessarily need to make money off of the UFO stuff, off of the right. phenomenal stuff. If I lose my job, totally different story, right? Um, but I'm I'm taken care of right now, right? Yeah. So I have the ability on nights and weekends and federal holidays to go out and take the Osiris and and drive to the back gate of Area 51 or, or go out and you know take an extended weekend down to uh, Odessa or or wherever and run investigations and and be able to present the science to the world. In, in a raw format where people can make up their own minds and and I'm not going to look up in the sky and say, holy crap, that is a UFO. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look up in the sky and assuming I saw something strange I will say, this is what the Sky Hub data shows. Mm-hmm. This is what my Geiger counter data, data shows. This is what my Trifield data shows. I'm not going to give opinion. I'm going to give and you're going to be able to see the readings right. on the tri-field meters. You're going to be able to get access to the links where the Sky Hub has picked up uh, the information. Whatever other sensors I incorporate in, I'm going to give the people access to that so they can see it for their own eyes and they can make their own decisions on this. Um, because I am not qualified to know if the radiation in a level spikes by 600 rads I don't even know what that means. <laughs> right. I, I have no clue. And I think that people well, watch in the history channel when they watch Skinwalker Ranch and they see that, you know, a trifield meter is going absolutely nuts. What does that mean? We don't know. We're we're, we're not trained in that. So, yeah. I, well, I'll, and,
0: I'll, and obviously, I mean, it's probably 600 rads is probably Jeff Bridges saying rad 600 times,
1: That's, <laughs> right? You know, I, I don't know. What's up, dude? Um, But I I don't know what it means. So Mm -hmm. my goal is to record the data and present it to people much smarter than I am to be able to interpret the data and come back to me and say, hey, Jeremy, you got a giant goose egg. Or, holy crap, we've never seen this before. We don't know what it is. Now we want you to go back with X, Y, and Z tools and see if you can replicate this or see if you can find out more. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. We talk about that with ghost hunting too, you know, like, um, people that, you know, share their evidence, they say, here's an EVP. And they tell you ahead of time, what it's supposed to sound like it's misleading. Right. And so we've always said, we always appreciate those that say, here's an EVP. What do you think it says? And then you can compile a list. And if if you know nine out of ten people are saying it says get out, then you're probably pretty sure it says get out. But if you're saying, yeah. hey, does this sound like get out to you? Your your brain's already kind of hearing that. You're pre-programming you know. people. Yeah, for and our, so for I appreciate ghost hunters that do that. That say, hey, here's our evidence. What do you think? You know, instead of telling you what to think.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: oh, but I mean, it's on the same on the same line though. You are producing it as UAP related content, yeah. and so, um, so just by saying here's a here's a a set of data potentially for UAP that that still is kind of setting up that people are looking at it, saying, is this or is this not a UAP? And so, I think that what we'll find, and and, and I'm interested to see if you've had others that have looked at it so far, is. Your your diehard skeptics will say it's not. Your sure. believers will say it is. Yeah, and there and, and will and and there will never be, in my opinion, there will never be enough evidence that a skeptic will say, you know what, you got me.
3: I'm no longer a skeptic.
1: You know, or, it happens to
3: them one hundred percent personally.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I and I recognize this early on in the process, and and I don't know, God has been maybe a month now. Uh, Ago, I actually uh, uh, had a conversation with Mick West. And I was asking Mick, this this wasn't a podcast, it wasn't a recorded conversation or anything like that. I just had a, a personal conversation with Mick. And I asked him, I was like, Mick, what would make Mick West happy in the way that I present data? How would you like to see what I bring to the table? What do you want from me that allows you to say, Holy shit, I don't know what this is. Instead of having Nick West going, Oh, that's a Batman balloon. <laughs> so, so I yeah, I I had a really good it was probably about an hour-long conversation with Nick. And we he he I don't want to speak for him, but I believe that he really appreciates uh, the the processes that I'm going through and, and the outlook that I'm trying to do and in, in trying to build a baseline of, of knowledge to, to help identify what the hell is going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And at the end of the day, um, I, I would say that this is something I, I've really thought about lately when I have uh, a UAP experience um, and I capture if, if I am able to capture evidence of it, or if I just have the experience myself and I share that experience with others, I'm not trying to convince you that I had an experience I know that I had an experience Um, And any evidence that I capture really just goes to reinforce for myself that I had an experience. At the end of the day, um, all I'm trying to do is share with others who are having experiences that they're not alone.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is the motto of this show from the very beginning was just say, hey, you're not alone you know there are others that have seen things and felt things that you're not the only one because we get that a lot we get people send in stories especially when it comes to uap sightings they're like i just want to let you know i'm not crazy this isn't happening and i'm like you know to go back to what you were talking about it's like if all these people like we talk about there's like what thirty thousand uap sightings a month yeah like average that's a lot of people in the world and if all of those would realize there's all those and all the ones that weren't reported right you'd realize that the majority of the world does not look at it as crazy that we've all seen things we you know that we could say it's no longer this and feel comfortable to come forward um because it's not anymore it's not this crazy thing anymore
1: yeah and if it wasn't for the tv show you know bash history all we all we can but uh, right. for, for their editing, but if it wasn't for that TV show, I would not be here. I agree. So yeah. it, 100%. It, it, it did a lot of good, even though the uh, the narrative was was played out. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, we have to be cognizant that there are some assholes out there that are straight up lying about mm-hmm. things. They are straight yeah. up fabricating things because they simply want their fifteen minutes or their fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And they're going to perpetrate a fraud against humanity. And we have to be cognizant that those guys exist.
0: Well, and unfortunately, uh, because technology has advanced in such a way to allow them to produce better hoaxes, um, yeah. it, it has really uh, impacted the overall credibility of the phenomenon in, in any reports related to the phenomenon. Uh-huh. You know, how, many, how, how many times uh, over the last year – Uh, Did you maybe see um, a UAP video and how many people said, oh, it's a drone or um, it's, (laughs) you know, the swamp gas was the CGI. thing of the 50s and 60s it's a drone is the thing of now Yeah. And, so, well, and
3: the worst part is is that it's people within the community sometimes that created that problem like Grey Parker for example he loved playing pranks and playing hoaxes while at the same time loved pushing real UFO research and all of this stuff but he hurt himself in the process him and Jim yeah. Mosby and stuff by the pranks that they played and
1: hoaxes there, there is there is an allure man I mean when you when you get cameras pointing at you when you get people coming to you and and people want to talk to you because of your experience or whatever you it it's almost like a heroin addiction yeah. in, in a sense you're chasing that dragon constantly you're always looking for that next fix so people are going to come out and they're going to fake things so yeah. they can get on the next awesome podcast so they can make that that ancient aliens episode and and, yeah. and sit there the side of Giorgio, uh, but and but it's reprehensible in in a way because right. it's perpetrating a fraud against humanity, and it's it's doing the government's work for them. Right is what it's doing because it's obfuscating the actual events that are that are real. Yeah, yeah They don't need and to have like a misinformation. Uh, you don't have misinformation department anymore. They just
0: use Twitter. So Yeah, we're doing it for them. We're, yeah. we, we well, I've
3: always said too. I'm like, you know, you know the old trick bub- the trick gum, you pull it out and it stabs you in the finger mm. or whatever. I'm like, just because I've given you a fake piece of gum doesn't mean gum doesn't exist. Like Right. Right. <laughs> like right. right. You don't go, "Well, man, uh, what have I been chewing all these years?" <laughs> yeah,
1: and and just because somebody might be paying helicopter pilots to throw flares out during CE5 events, doesn't mean that human initiated contact is not real is not right real. A- exactly
0: yeah we're, we're hoping for a ce5 event in next month right stefan
3: yeah we're gonna well just personally but yeah he's personally. coming out to, i live <laughs> out in phoenix so he's coming out to phoenix we're gonna go out to the desert out to sedona and try to do our own ce5
1: type thing
3: yeah <laughs> stefan,
1: i tell you what I'm I'm based in Vegas. Phoenix is just a couple hours away from mm-hmm. me. Man. Let's coordinate this and let's bring me and the Osiris out. Let's let me try to record some data during a CE5 attempt. Yeah, that would be cool.
0: Yeah, but I've got a uh, – I just got an Aurora Pro Psyonix uh, Aurora Pro, and so yep, looking forward to taking that out and
1: seeing when I can capture with that. So I don't know if you've That's, ever be, yeah with the uh, the the. Kind of a, a, a civilian version of night vision. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's their. Uh, co- it's I think it's 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 branded as color night vision, but it's. Um, I think it's probably the burst the best you can get on the civilian market without getting into the four thousand and five thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> Which well, I don't think I don't think I could convince my wife to let me pay for it just yet. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because the only reason that I'm sitting here today is because of a pair of military night vision goggles that I just had happenstance to put on during a smoke break when I was in Jordan in 1995 and, and saw what I saw. So, night vision is incredibly important in these investigations. Yeah. <clears throat> so, is that, is that a considered a Gen 2 unit? or? Oh, God, 1995? I don't even know. This would, if somebody, if one of your listeners wants to look it up, I know exactly. It was an ANV PBS7 Bravo was the uh, uh, night vision goggles that I was using at the time. Mm-hmm. A-N-V EVS seven Bravo. So I don't know if that was Gen two or Gen three. Yeah. Um, man, we would we would play football with these things. I mean, it is <laughs> so. I have no idea. A, they were indestructible, and and you could see an amazing amount of stars when you look. at
3: oh yeah. yeah well and it's amazing the things that a lot of uh, vets that are comfortable talking about it, things that they've seen out in the middle east we had a guy on a marine steven stanick that i mean him and a number of these guys saw what they thought to be a djinn when they were in afghanistan that uh, i mean he was visibly shaking telling this story i mean it's just yeah. remarkable and that was just one of the things they saw when they were out there you know wow. like i just wow. i can't imagine
1: yeah, I've I've seen some things, um, most of which I've been able to explain away. Yeah, and I don't even bring it up because if I can find a logical or plausible explanation yeah. for it, you know, Occam's razor, it's probably what it is. Right. Um, but that thing in '95, I was like, I, I got no clue. It just whatever. To, I, I don't care. know what it was. Care to elaborate? Um. I've I've talked. I, I won't go into a lot of detail about the story because I've I've told it, God, a thousand times so far. <laughs> okay, uh, but but basically, I was I was looking up at the night sky in Jordan, um, and I with night vision goggles, and I saw a pinpoint of light traversing from horizon to horizon with a ninety degree turn in the middle, uh, mm. with no visible signs of slowing down no arc or radius to the turn it was literally as if somebody had a square up in the heavens and this thing was following uh the exact ninety hey. degree angle and there was no depreciation of of momentum or change in speed or anything it wow was just something, something that a conventional aircraft that we have here cannot do and and i was i was a pilot for a little while um and i'm I'm very familiar with how airplanes work: lift drag thrust and, yeah um, this this just wasn't. Well, that's, that's like we saw uh, one night
0: last year, uh, a line, <clears throat> which everybody hears line and they think, you know, uh, Starlink. Starlink. But, <clears throat> but we actually vetted that it wasn't Starlink, what we saw. Uh, but anyways, it, it was a line and it started, uh, we, we first noticed it um, at about uh, 30 degrees off the horizon and it uh, tracked uh, a straight line up to 90 degrees uh, from our point, and then they disappeared. Interesting. They didn't come out the other side. So this is uh, something
1: you you just said something that I think that needs to be incorporated into citizen science is basic understanding of astronomy measurements. No one that I have ever spoken to knows how to shoot an asthma. Nobody knows how to use a sextant and be able to get an angular unit of measurement from the horizon. Mm -hmm. And things like this would be so important. If we Mm -hmm. could come up, you know, you know how some of these VR headsets are like, hey, take your phone and stick it in this cardboard box. Now you have a VR. You could come up with something as simple as that, that you could make off the back of a cereal box cutout, but would allow you to be able to calculate asthma and degrees above. this would be a game changer for citizens. well it it helps us because we want to
3: verify everything so we've got our sky tracker apps where we're checking airlines and helicopters um, as well as starlink which starlink was there earlier in a different area of the sky and so we were able to know what we saw was different there. And especially because the last two trains, I'll call it trains like Starlink, were coming at a different angle as well.
1: (laughs) Like if you recall, Josh, the last two kind of came at a different angle, which was weird. And that's one of the things that I'm really hoping that that the Skyhub in the OSIRIS can do is capture multiple instances of Starlink and be able to use machine learning and pattern recognition so that we can definitively say, this is what Starlink looks like. Right. Now you can avoid thinking that this yes. is anything but that.
0: Right. Yes. Um, what something that you just said, and, and I wanted to step back to it for a minute. You know, it's it's very important. We read through. Um, so every week on the show, we do a UAP sighting of the week, where we go out to new Fork or we move on, we just read a recent sighting and just talk about it. But one of the things that people often, um, I think that most people lack is the ability to gauge distance the ability to gauge uh, di- direction height uh degrees things of that nature so you're right some sort of a, a mechanism whether it be an app that you just hold up your camera uh to a certain direction and it gauges the you know the degree in the sky and that sort of thing to give it information but but that would be very helpful to people because um like <clears throat> if you were to ask the average person how tall is that tree in your backyard you'd probably get a varying degree of answer Uh, and and probably some of them would be close, but, but really not, you know, enough to be able to say when you get, when you gave your UAP sighting report and you said this was a hundred feet above me, was it really a hundred feet above you? Or was it, was it a hundred yards above you? I mean, it's because people don't have a good understanding of distance. And
1: there's a reason that every Seven Eleven in the United States has a tape measure beside the door. Because when somebody robs the Seven Eleven and right. walks out of the door, they can use the surveillance camera to back up what the uh, what the cashier was saying. Oh, the guy was 6'8". And as right. he's running out the door and he's running past the tape major and he's like, no, he was 5'6". Right. So, wow, you know, I
3: didn't know that. That's interesting.
1: Yep. Yep. It's, it's, I mean, witness testimony. I was a cop for 12 years. Witness testimony is terrible. And it's no offense to anybody who has seen anything. But we're we are now living in an era where we're cognizant that our reality is simply an interpretation of what our mind yeah. is seeing. So your reality can be vastly different from mine. Yeah. So you can experience an event and convey it in words and writing and description totally differently than than what I would do. Um, so witness testimony is well hard to,
0: to get a, a handle and to, and to come back around to, a, you know, to the conversation line we were having earlier around uh, just recently being able to see the color blue, how you process that reality is really at what level your brain is operating in order to process that reality. Right. So uh, people maybe, you know, I, I've, I've heard to talk to people who have uh, two individuals could be in a field and one can see UAP and the other one didn't. Well, is that because the one who didn't, their brain is not conditioned or uh or open or programmed or whatever the word you want to use is to see that thing in the sky. But the person who saw it is. Um
1: or or is it because the, the UAP only chose to reveal itself yep. one of the two?
3: That is definitely one yep. of the things that I talk about a lot. I don't remember whether we quoted something a long time ago, um, Josh, if you'll remember from some book we were reading, and it, it said that same thing. Yeah. It, it's like if, if you were out in a field with a friend and your friend didn't see that UAP, it didn't want it to see it. Yeah. You know, or you were specifically chosen to see that. So uh,
0: there was a recent interview, I think, done, uh, Travis, uh, what's Stephan? Thank Walton. you. Travis Walton. Um, Dan, I think it was on the, I think it was on the Joe Rogan uh, experience podcast, but um, he was talking about if you saw a UAP as a child or as a kid, and then later on you saw one again in your adult life, he, he said they know who you are. Yeah. They reappeared to you later in your adult life. It wasn't a happenstance. And yeah. so that really got me thinking about the whole intelligence behind, all of this stuff so it's we were joking around the other day and you know because i'm going out there to arizona and we were saying well what happens if we're out there and uh and a uap comes and we're standing face to face with two uh two ets what would you do i mean really what would you do to to think about that and process that Stefan said he'd probably scream and pass out or push you for or or push me forward (laughs) so but i mean but i mean really it's you can think about it'd be really cool to see a UAP, but have you thought about what it would be like to have, you know, one of those next level experiences, which is, you know, actually seeing something face to face or abduction or whatever the case may be, um, how would you know, it's really hard to process how you would react in a situation until you're in that situation.
1: Yeah, you don't you, you can say anything that you want to say, but until your limbic system tells you what to do you have no idea what you're going to get.
0: Yeah, <laughs> straight I, up.
1: <laughs> so
3: that's why well, I'm fact.
0: I'm interested, and um, in, in I want to uh, kind of start to wrap up here a little bit in your um, in your experiences. So you've had one, you had one in '95 that kind of set you down this path. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any since '95?
1: One, one, and it's interesting because. Before, uh, 30 seconds 45 seconds ago you were talking about if you saw one as a child and saw one later in Mm -hmm. life it could have been the same one so brief back story one of my my military contacts he was a captain in the army he was an all source intelligence officer so not a grunt uh, very very highly trained uh, in intelligence gathering and and all sorts of things Um, he calls me up one day he lives in New York and he's uh, I can hear it in his voice, voice, and he's describing to me a sighting as it is happening to him on the phone. Um, and I'm taking copious notes. Yeah. And I take a report. I take a very, very detailed report. I used to make reports for uh, the Downing Commission and the Tiger Team after the Cobar Towers bombing. I would go out into forward operating bases throughout the Middle East and do security assessments. And my reports would brief uh, the chairman of the, or joint chiefs of staff. Uh, so I know how to write, write a report. And I was taking a report when he gave me this uh, incident. And then I called him back a half hour later and I had him tell me again. And then I waited about three hours and I had him tell me again. And then 24 hours later, I had him tell me again. His Report to me did not change.
3: Wow.
1: Um, I gave that report to somebody in UAPTF, um, straight up to the top of UAPTF. Um, probably 72 hours later, I'm here in Las Vegas. My daughter is skateboarding in the cul-de-sac over by the neighbor's house. And it's a little cold and it's dark and i want to go home (laughs) so i tell her hey let's go and i turn around and start walking back across the street to my house and i hear her and her skateboard getting ready to cross the street and of course like any father would i turn around to make sure that there's no cars coming and that she's able to cross the street uh safely on her skateboard the instant that i turned around to look at my daughter I saw the brightest damn light I have ever seen in my life in the air above my neighbor's house without an illumination, without a beam, without casting shadows, without it. It was just a light that existed, but had no effect on the surrounding environment. Mm. And it was moving away from me. And it was, I, I got this really, it's making the hair on the my arm stand up as I tell well it's making the hair on my arm stand up. same right yeah. <laughs> I got the weirdest feeling in the world and it was almost as if it was almost as if this idea had gotten into my head and somebody was saying I'm watching you watch me I know you saw me right so I called up I called up Sean Cahill um and then I talked to Lou Alizondo, and Lou and Sean both told me separately. They were like, man, I don't doubt that it was the same exact one that your guy in New York saw because oh. you wrote the report on it and you turned it in that I, it was probably the exact same one that was saying, I know what you did. Yep.
3: I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. You know, we've had a lot of
1: people on the show and we agree
3: with this too, that there's that connection uh, mentally uh, for them, that that's a way for them to communicate and things like that. So absolutely that can, yeah, just just saying yes.
1: (laughs) The the mental connection is something that I dug into on this right after that, because when I was talking to Sean, Sean was asking me what my mental state was when I saw what I saw. Mm. And I told Sean, I was like, listen, man, I I came to a conclusion, because at the time we were in the very early stages of this film project uh, with Sean and Lou, and I didn't know where it was going to go. And as I was watching my daughter's skateboard, let me correct that, as I was pretending to watch my daughter's skateboard, (laughs) (laughs) I was deep in thought, and I just came to the conclusion, I was like, listen, if I do this film project, I'm probably going to lose my job because I work as a defense contractor with a security client. And I had just come to the conclusion, I was like, I'm going to do the film project. And if this affects my job, if this affects my career, if this affects my livelihood, I still feel like this is something that I need to do. And I was basically disassociating with who I was and where I was in the moment. And my brain was way over here, having a conversation with myself Mm -hmm. uh, when I saw what I saw. So I called up John, uh, the guy who had the 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 sighting in New York that that Mm -hmm. talked, and uh, I asked him what his mental state was when he saw what he saw. And I won't tell you what he was going through, but he he was going through a life changing situation that he had just learned about about seventy two hours prior to his Mm -hmm. sight, Um, and. He was—he was basically not in his right mind um, when he saw what he saw. So I think that there is a very, very strong possibility that that being able to disassociate from who you are, or when and where you are, and, and just being able to think outside of of yourself mm-hmm. allows you to be able to receive this communication. It, it's sure. something that I want
0: <clears throat> to tease out a little bit there is um in both your case in the individual in in new york you were both in a in a in a state of of self where you were um changing lanes let's say yes or um you were considering uh other possibilities yes and in both cases that's when your sightings occurred yes could it I guess so. The answer always to my could questions is is could yes because we don't really know the answer. But I I wonder if those who um, have sightings are in that state of changing lanes. Something in their life has happened that has caused them to reevaluate where they are to, re- to, to to begin to evaluate the future to event to begin to evaluate other paths and that that uh, opening if you will in their psyche for the evaluation of new possibilities is a prime time to insert the possibility of Uap to again start to trickle down into their future possibilities
1: well, Lou told me something that blew my mind and I've I've not really concentrated on the idea a lot um, because I don't feel the difference. But Lou told me that when I made that decision, when I made that one life-altering decision to go in a direction at at the detriment of of my career, um, that it was at that moment that I changed realities i changed into a different mm-hmm. one i shifted from yep. where i was on this one path and that me is still on that path but this me is yep. on a completely different path right
3: yep i agree yep. i mean the same things happened to us i mean it's like once oh yeah
1: we
3: really started digging in i mean once, it's like it's like you can't turn it off it's once yep. we saw
0: that light in the backyard man ever since then it's like <clears throat> everything else is an open possibility so
1: yeah yeah, it's that's amazing. It's a weird world, man. And that's why, you know, it, it's not a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. Yeah. Because it's not just one thing. Yep. It is it is a it is the panacea of what the hell? <laughs>
3: yeah. One hundred percent.
0: So um just to kind of one kind of closing question. Sure. Um, we, we've talked a lot about, uh, UAP, uh, even a little bit of, uh, extraterrestrial, uh, dabbled in there. I'm interested your thoughts on other parts of the phenomena, such as, uh, you know, ghosts or cryptids. Um, you know, where do you come down on the entirety of the, the other phenomenon? unexplained? Yeah.
1: I don't know yet. Um, I have thoughts. I have, ideas and and low-grade opinions, Um, I don't multitask well. but (laughs) So, I mean, I I, I don't walk and shoot gum at the same time very often. I, I think that if we're looking at a place like Skinwalker and we're looking at stories about materializations and manifestations and owls suddenly appearing on the second floors of barns and dogs on roofs and things like that. that just shouldn't happen. Um, I, I think that, I think that this is probably either the idea that the phenomena has a trickster mentality to it and just likes to screw with us because why not? Um, I mean, it's the same way that a you know a, a six-year-old with a magnifying glass torments a hill of ants with a you know you know mm-hmm. screwing with, with anthills. Um, but at the same time, going back to the idea that that there may well be nuts and bolts and space space bearing mm-hmm. civilizations, we all travel through space and time in our three-dimensional medium. We are on this planet. Our planet is in space-time and it is traveling throughout the cosmos at right. you know, however millions of miles an hour that we're, that we're moving. There is no reason to think that there is not a universal medium in which multiple entities can travel. Yeah. And, you know, if, if oceans touch ponds and lakes and and rivers and streams and they're all interconnected there's no reason to think that this medium of travel isn't interconnected Mm -hmm. with with our reality so there may be crossing points there may be places where our reality becomes thin there may be uh for lack of a better word portals um i i published an article on medium uh yesterday i believe it was uh called uh it was either yesterday or the day before, but it was basically programming reality.
3: Yeah, I, got, I was just reading that today.
1: It, it, was, it was basically verbal vomit that I came up with, or, or written vomit that I came up with, about how the the idea of occult symbolism uh, or rituals could be nothing more than a programming language or a construct.
0: Yeah, but we have talk about that quite a
1: bit yeah this is the input and the output of of the reality that we live in so you know with with cryptids i think that there's probably a bifurcation here there 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 are species that we find in existence every single day that we did not know existed prior yep. i mean we just drilled down what 3000 feet under the arctic ice and found some stuff that should not be existing there right yeah. um, <laughs> So cryptids, I think, uh, in, in a three-dimensional physical, you know, they eat bananas and, and climb up pine trees type of way, I think they exist, straight up. And I just think that there are probably incidences of, of animals that have either somehow survived past their extinction date or they've been created prior to us identifying them. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's a real possibility. But at the same time, I also think that there's probably... Uh, uh, entities, creatures, beasties, uh, lower-level life forms that have gotten trapped in a whirlpool and, and appeared in a vortex that they probably shouldn't, have. or potentially, like we've talked about before, they're phasing in and out of our dimension. Yeah, and and you know their their thin reality and our thin reality. You know, you you could have a quote unquote skinwalker that's that's hunting his version of an antelope somewhere, and the next thing you know. He, he's in the middle of, of Utah, and there's some some guy doing CE five, and he's like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> <laughs> and Early's he's just Rats. Freaked, <laughs> he, He's just as freaked out as as a as, uh, dragon is, and you know, somebody gets their arms ripped off. So, it, it often
0: it often makes me wonder if if we are uh, 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 skirting realities. If there are times when we're uh, appearing in their reality and what's that what that must look like uh, to them
3: oh I think yeah. so for sure I mean there's stories of people that were they just were walking somewhere ended up somewhere else and were like what the hell and then they ended up back here you know like so we yeah. definitely have stories of the same thing
1: yeah yeah I've had a couple well not a couple I've had one incident where I ended up somewhere that I wasn't supposed to be I, I was long story short I was driving home when I was living back in West Virginia. Um, and I had been on this route thousands of times. I knew exactly the exit that I was supposed to take at 99 off lot interstate 79, coming back in from Fairmont, West Virginia, to Buchanan, West Virginia, mm-hmm. um, the exit would have been on my right hand side. There's no lights or anything around it, but I knew exactly, I could have driven this road blindfolded. Mm-hmm. Um, the exit wasn't there. And mm. I drove a couple miles, and I was like, holy crap, I'm, I'm past the exit. So I turn around and uh, make a U-turn in the interstate, and I go back, and I missed it again. Hmm. And it happened like three or four times until finally I turned around. I didn't miss the exit. It just did not exist. It wasn't there, yeah. It just yeah. was not there. Uh, and I think it was the fourth time that I made a, a U-turn and came back around that the exit was finally there, and I got home. Yeah.
3: Wow. I mean, yeah, it's just like you flipped over to a dimension where that that, that exit never existed who knows yeah i've had some weird stuff too man
0: well and it's interesting you said west virginia because there seems to be a lot of weird stuff that happens in west virginia kentucky appalachia kind of area so <laughs> yeah
1: we got them off man
3: yeah yeah <laughs> Yep. <clears throat> so, well, well, Jeremy, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you so much, man, for taking your time with us. We really, really appreciate it. And of course, you know, it would not be good if we didn't give you this opportunity to let people know where they can find you, find stuff about Osiris um, and all that jazz, because
1: we want to make sure people get to it. The absolute easiest way to find me is on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm prolific on Twitter. It's, uh, it's Jeremy Unidenti. U-N-I-D-E-N-T-I and the number one uh, on Twitter. It was a stupid username that I came up with because I didn't think it would ever amount to anything and now I've got 2,000 and some followers. It's like are...
3: Tiller for Riller.
1: Yeah, And then my, my YouTube channel just search me by name on YouTube, uh, Jeremy McGowan. Yeah, and, and we'll be yeah, sharing those as well. And then very soon I, I will be uh, publishing a uh, a personal webpage which goes along with my name.
3: Yep. And please let us know when that comes out. We will absolutely share that. Um, we are we love the information that we've found. Um, and we are very anxious to continue talking to you and following your research. And I, I loved it. I, I wanted to quickly just say one of my favorite things was on Twitter the other day, you dropping that, you know, that poll about uh, asking people if you had the ability to elicit an interactive response from the phenomenon through technology, would you a monetize it, b make a show about it, or c give it to the world free? And eighty five point five percent said yes. Let's give it to the world for free. And I yeah. love that. And that yeah, is no, an it wasn't just
1: it, it wasn't just five or ten people voting on no, that. Was a, I had yeah. <laughs> a couple hundred people yep. voted on yep. that, it, it, and eighty five percent was like give it to the world for free. Yep. Um, and that that's great. If if I can continue to give stuff to the world for free and keep my lights on i will absolutely do it if if i can find a way to monetize it without compromising the data or compromising the science to keep my lights on i I will probably go that route so i i don't begrudge anybody that monetizes any of this um we all we all need to eat
3: Yeah, we've said the same thing about ghost stories. And so people are like, well, they were just trying to get money. I'm like, listen, if I had a ghost that punched me in the face and somebody offered me $100,000 to write a book about it, you better damn well believe I'm going to (laughs) say yes. (laughs)
2: That does not
3: mean I did not get punched in the face by a ghost. It just means that I would like to go to Maui next time. (laughs) It just
0: means you're not dumb. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah,
3: yeah, thank you, Jeremy, so much, man. We appreciate you so much for coming on the show. You are welcome to come on. anytime what a fantastic conversation
1: steph and josh it's been a pleasure all
3: right thank you jeremy mcgowan uh we really appreciate it um you guys can go to instagram follow him there uh he's got some really really, cool stuff
0: and everything that he does with osiris is on his youtube channel yeah and um he's got like a whole thing about how he set up his rig and going out and doing his searches so you know go out and check out his youtube channel and subscribe to that
3: yeah so you know and it's probably been mentioned but of course you know twitter is at jeremy uh unident uh, oh my God, I can't even say it. So Jeremy, U-N-I-D-E-N-T-I-1. And then Instagram, go to Osiris underscore U-A-P. Um, we just want to keep pushing that because it's some remarkable stuff. And thank you, Jeremy, for coming on the show. Um, before we get out of here, I want to get to our listener story here real quick. Um, I do again, sir, have another uh, listener UAP sighting that I wanted to go over I had to for this episode
0: Yeah, absolutely
3: um, So this one comes from a listener uh, One of our Facebook followers Named Caden Mask Which, a great name Caden Mask, like I want to yeah. create A superhero named Caden Mask I'm pretty uh, anyways, sure there was a, there was An 80's cartoon that was based off of him Yeah, the mask one <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so this Is Caden Mask's uh, UAP sighting
2: This past winter, we were outside smoking. My wife was looking up, and uh, I was looking down at my phone. She started hitting my arm, calling my name frantically. I looked at her as she stood and was pointing at the sky. I asked what she said she saw, and she said she saw something big and dark and that it just flew over our house. Before she could fully finish her sentence, just over the tree, barely 200 yards above our house, a very large craft was slowly going over the house. It was the size of a full-size truck, perhaps a little bit bigger. Black and oval-shaped, had two large bars under it, and it almost looked like it had sled skis on it. It was super quiet, not even humming, and moved at a super slow pace. I of course, tried to record it and chase it, but my phone decided to crash, and so did my wife's
0: hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. this is the first time I've ever heard of one with like having skids having skids before
3: right, well, and that to me would say helicopter, but I mean, if it's not, yeah, if it's not making any noise. If it's not there. I don't know of a helicopter that don't make noise, No. There are no uh, undercover helicopters. Like, it's, it's not. No, Not that we know of, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not like. No, it's like. So.
0: How, how is it again? Okay. <laughs> you sound... I know what that sounds like. That sounds like my.
3: Shut up. Sounds like the flubber car. The flubber. Yeah, the flubber car, man. Uh, But thank you, Caden Mask, for sending that in. I'm glad we could finally get to your story. I wanted to make sure and share that. Um, But, yeah, that's that's where we're at, man. I want to wrap this up, get out of here. Just a reminder, again, I told you I would come back to this. March 5th, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tarot readings from me. Sign up for your slot. There's 12 slots. They're $40 a piece. It's donation going to the Fearscape Media Network. You can also, uh, that's fearscapemedia.com slash tarot or go to fearscapemedia.com slash support. If you just want to donate, you're not into tarot. That's fine. Uh, we're going to have some other events and all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun, but you can donate all through the month of February and March. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but Josh, also, you ready to get out of here, man? I want to oh. remind folks about the app.
0: So Oh, yeah. You can go out to, unfortunately, at this point in time, it's only on Android, so you have to go to Google Play. You can download uh, the Fairscape Media Network app, and from there, you can get access to uh, listen to all of the uh, pods that are on the network. You can shop our store. You can contact us on our different social media and everything from the app. So that's yeah. make sure you go out there, check that out, download it, uh, review it, if you would, and uh, help us
3: out yeah and you know get out there like all those other podcasts there's some great content out there and uh just a reminder how much we love you guys man we could not do any of this without our blanket huggers um but that's why we're gonna get out of here so that you don't have to just listen to my grading voice all the time um <laughs> just kidding i love my voice um but no we're gonna get out of here josh thank you so much i always appreciate you joining me every single week uh but yeah uh this has been stefan keep your eyes to the skies
0: this has been Josh. The truth is now. Yeah. You like my
3: new one? I do. That's I do. good. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscape podcast.com forward slash support.